Warning, the following program is solely intended for a mature audience. Any of the idiotic opinions and views expressed on this show are solely opinions of Dark Cringe Radio and not of its advertisers, which is completely pointless because this poorly produced, dumbass podcast has no advertisers. Furthermore, any rebroadcast or redistribution of Dark Friend Radio podcasts without per- the permission is strictly prohibited. If you do, we will find you. And then we will send three black-eyed children to your home or office to collect your soul. Thank you. Enjoy the show. Coming to you live from the Mistopheles Studios, it's Dark Cringe Radio. Dark Fringe Radio. It's Will Martinez and Jake Losey with you guys tonight. And we got a great podcast for you guys. We're going to go a little crazy tonight. How's it going, Jake? Oh, it's going great, man. Earth, wind, and fire. Yeah. Yeah, mixed it with a little Ozzy. Pretty good, huh? Oh, great. Yeah, I found this mashup like about a year ago, and I was like, I love this fucking mashup. It's like perfect, right? Oh, it's great, dude. It's yeah. great. It's a great song. It did a lot of good stuff, but uh, Justin Timberlake recently redid that song, too. It's a great song. Yeah, no, it's awesome. It really is. I mean, for somebody to come out with a song like this and it being remade so many different times in so many different ways, I mean, it's got to say something, right? It's pretty much timeless. Yeah, classic. Classic shit. Classic shit. <laughs> well, tonight we're going to be talking about some urban legends, man. So this is going to be an interesting podcast. And um, we're going to try to get some obscure shit to talk about that. I love this mashup. This is great. But anyways, yeah, the, even the video is even good. Uh, you have to look, check it out. I don't know if you've ever seen it on YouTube. It's pretty funny. But uh, anyways, again, um, I wanted to remind everybody about the social media like I always do every week. You can catch us on every freaking platform available, pretty much. Uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, Twitter. Uh, you can catch us, Dark Fringe Radio, uh, also on Google Play, Dark Fringe Radio as well. And uh, the new, obviously, uh, venture that we came out with a lot, couple weeks ago was on Instagram. Uh, same thing, Dark Fringe Radio. Follow us there. Uh, all those platforms, if you can, subscribe to the podcast. That's the way for, you know to uh, get our numbers up. You know, Give some type of rating, a five-star rating if you can, and a comment. So anytime you guys do that, we'll shout you out on the podcast. You know, that way we could uh, you know show our appreciation for you showing your appreciation to us. So, so again, please check us out on all those fronts: iTunes, SoundCloud, Twitter, Google Play, Instagram. Uh, we're always available there. I wanted to also remind everybody, excuse me, about um, our interview from last week with Dylan Sicosio. Um, in his book, uh, Spirit World, The Death Phoenicians. And uh, you can pick up that book on Amazon um, and anywhere else uh, where you can uh, pretty much uh, you know, pick up those books. Did you happen to check out that interview last week with uh, this guy, uh, Dylan, uh, Jay? Yeah, I didn't. Today is normally my day to get to listen to, to, our, to our, our podcast and kind of check it out. I didn't get a chance today. I was just a little bit too busy at work. So, uh, no, I haven't had a chance yet. 
Yeah, no, listen, I, I urge you definitely and everybody else to check that out because it's a pretty insightful podcast. I mean, we talk about a lot of different things, but most importantly, you know, you know, just, uh, you know, how to improve oneself and, and, and probably get yourself ahead in this world. So just uh, check that out. And um, if you can, uh, you know, give a subscribe and a five star liking to that as well. And, uh, you know, give us any kind of feedback. You can um, email us at thedarkfringe at gmail.com. Again, that's thedarkfringe at gmail.com. And uh, we have a couple things that we're going to be um, doing here pretty soon in the near future. I I am planning a Facebook Live podcast, Jay. So we're going to um, mm-hmm. correlate together and figure out some way we're going to do that. Um, also, Instagram has been very good to us as of late. Uh, we've uh, surpassed over 100 uh, followers in just, uh, what, a couple weeks. Um, I mean, I know that may not be a lot, but for us, that is a lot. So uh, what we're going to do... In a short time, that's actually not bad. That's encouraging numbers. It is. It is. And so what we're going to do is we're going to cater to those people and, you know, give them something uh, a little exclusive to uh, that platform and also the Facebook people as well. Our Facebook numbers are great. You know, we're over, you know, a couple hundred on that. Uh, Twitter is by far the greatest. You know, we're over 500 um, followers on that. So please uh, continue to like, share... Uh, with your friends and family, anybody you think that will be interested in this particular podcast. So uh, we're going to jump into the urban legend section here in a second and get into all this. But uh, Jay, you know what time it is, right? It's time! What's time for some three-story Monty? Oh, you sound very, very chipper this week. I wonder why you sound so chipper and very happy about this. Was it because you won last week? Yeah, it's because I won last week. Well, at least you're honest, so that's good. (laughs) It's it's always it's always more fun to win. Like I tell my wife, she she, whenever we start doing something and I'm getting competitive because I'm losing, and I start to get bad attitude, she's like, "Babe, it's just about having fun." I'm like, "Yeah, I have more fun when I win." Exactly. Nobody likes blue balls, so yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right, we'll jump into it here uh, right exactly. right away, and uh, we'll jump into three story money. Just for people who don't know or maybe listen to the podcast for the first time, I give Jay three different um, stories, uh, all just as absurd as the next. Uh, but one of those uh, three stories is uh, completely false, so he has to figure out which one it is, and um, that's how we play three story money. So Jay, let's start it off for tonight. Let's see what you if you got what it takes for tonight. And um, I did a little bit of uh, research, so it might be a little hard. So we'll start off with uh, story number one. Uh, elderly woman gives away $500,000 worth of Bitcoin, thinking it was only $2. Kiss my ass. That's number one. Okay. Okay. Uh, number two, restaurant owner arrested after being accused of finding cocaine in cheese sticks. So say goodnight to the bad guy. That's number two. So that's a pretty odd uh, story there. And uh, number three, uh, last but yep. not least, urgent bathroom break leads uh, man to a $1 million lottery ticket. I'm rich, bitch! So there you have it. Those are the three for tonight. You have el- elderly woman gives away 500 k worth of Bitcoin, thinking it was $2. Restaurant owner arrested after cocaine found in cheese sticks. And lastly but not least, urgent bathroom break leads man to a $1 million lottery ticket. What do you think? Um, I think I think the second one. So you're thinking restaurant owner arrested after cocaine found in cheese sticks, huh? Yep. 
That's pretty interesting. Well, unfortunately, Jay, that's not it tonight. Uh, it's actually number one. <laughs> it's actually number one tonight. Uh, number one, elderly woman gives away 500K worth of Bitcoin thinking it was only $2. That was complete figment of my imagination. So, yeah, that's uh, that's not the one for tonight. So, Jay, I'm sorry. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it happens. It happens. These are, you know, I find these stories and I and then actually the hardest part is coming up with the fake one. The easy ones are the ones right. you find. The fake one is just like you're racking your brain like, okay, how am I going to try to trick Jay this week? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, again, uh, Jay, uh, looks like uh, number two was wrong, but number one is the uh, the correct answer. So we'll jump into um, the two correct answers, uh, which is restaurant owner uh, finding um, well, was arrested for cocaine found in the cheese sticks. Now, this came out of uh, Indiana, and a restaurant owner was arrested on felony charges after a customer found a baggie of suspected cocaine in their order of cheese sticks, police said. Griffin police said that Carrie Lynn DeMoff, 49, was arrested Thursday uh, and booked in Lake County Jail on charges of attempted dealing of cocaine and possession of cocaine and maintaining a common nuance controlled substance. So police said that the investigation began November 21st when the customer at Broad Street Euros called 911 to report finding a baggie of suspected cocaine in her to-go order from the eatery. The woman told police she found the baggie after someone at the restaurant called to ask her to bring the cheese sticks back to the restaurant. Mistake number one. Uh, Investigators said the substance in the bag field tested positive for cocaine and uh, broad street euros had been closed since november 22nd when the town's clerk treasurer office suspended its business license so yeah it looks like uh the greek euro place was uh slinging a little cocaina well i mean how do you think they keep them coming back for more you know i that's like kind of almost like an urban legend in a way that we're going to be talking about tonight you know i've heard of a lot of restaurants kind of actually doing this uh more particularly like donut shops and, you know, using the powdered sugar and actually mixing cocaine with it and getting people like hooked on their like powdered donuts. Have you ever heard that before? Not with the powdered donuts, but uh, the the old wives tale, the, the myth that uh, the original Coca-Cola used to have a little bit of cocaine in it to get people addicted to remember that one. Yeah, that's true, actually. Um, that was actually an active ingredient in Coca-Cola. And, um, you know, they did use uh, cocaine. Uh, in that uh, uh, you know original recipe for uh, Coca-Cola, so uh, you can only imagine why Coca-Cola is so you know popular now. I mean, maybe it had to stem with uh, you know from the original <laughs> from the original recipe. Maybe our our ancestors used to you know take partake in. You know. Well, a better question is what's more addicting, caffeine or cocaine? That is a good question. That is a very good question. I, I don't know. That's a very good question. Well, um, the other uh, true story was the urgent bathroom break uh, leads man to a $1 million lottery jackpot. Uh, that was actually a true story. That uh, came out of um, California, and a man said his urgent need for a bathroom break led him to a store where he bought a $1 million winning lottery ticket. Vincent Ancholando told California lottery officials that the call of nature led him to stop at the Rotten Robbie store in San Jose. Where having a satisfy, uh, where having to satisfy his bodily needs, he bought a ten dollar California Black Premium scratch off ticket. Uh, what happened after that? The scratch off ticket earned him a free ticket. So then he used that to buy a ten dollar Holiday Magic Scratcher ticket, which won him one million dollars. 
And uh, basically what he said, he sat there for a long period of time staring at it because he wasn't sure <laughs> if he was what he was seeing was real. And he basically kind of froze up. So uh, he said he realized that the ticket was real. So what he did uh, was what the lottery ticket recommended doing right away from, you know, finding out that you're a winner, which is signing the back of the ticket, which is very, very, uh, you know, pertinent when you have something like this. So that way it's not stolen from you and you can prove that it was you that had the ticket. So basically he's uh, hoping to use some of his winnings to buy a house. And it looks like also the uh, Rotten Robbie store received a $5,000 bonus for selling the winning ticket. So I, which I didn't, you know, I never knew that they would get a bonus for selling a ticket. That doesn't seem kind of right to me anyways. No. No, because it's supposed to be random. It is supposed to be random. So it sounds like it's, you know, there's a possibility for some kind of nefarious shit to happen there too, right? I mean, it definitely sounds questionable. Or uh, it's just the state lottery's way of getting people to try to promote and sell their lottery tickets a little bit harder because the lottery gets the money even when they have to pay out. That's true. That's true. I didn't, you know, that's something I didn't know until after the fact. But yeah, you're right about that. But yeah, the interesting story sound, none to say the least. But uh, let's see if we can pick it up back for you next week, Jay. All right? Oh, I'm sure I'll be back on track next week. It's, I, I don't mind doing one week on, one week off. That's okay with me. <laughs> awesome, awesome. All right, we'll jump into our, um, the uh, main uh, subject of the evening, and that is uh, Urban Legends. And, um, Jay, did you ever see the movie Urban Legends? Uh, yeah, once a long time ago. I don't remember much about it at all. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a movie that came out like around, I think it was the mid-'90s, and um, it had a bunch of people in it, and I don't think anybody too, too, too famous. But, you know, they just kind of went through all the old-school Urban Legends, and um, we're going to kind of deviate from that. We're not going to go with the, you know, the typical, you know, Bloody Mary bullshit like that. Uh, but we're going to get into and uh, talk about all that tonight. Um, so, Jay, let's start off with you first and then we'll go back and forth. What do you have yeah. as number one for you on the list for your urban legend tonight? Well, I, I'm going to start off with my I researched three different urban legends. Um, and I'm going to start off with the one that was the least to me, the least kind of exciting or least. Um, tantalizing, but still very interesting. Uh, in Georgia, there's a place, there's an urban legend of the curse of Lake Lanier. It's a massive man-made lake just north of, uh, north of Atlanta. Multiple unnerving fronts and a reputation for tragic, sometimes mysterious deaths from disproportionately high frequencies of boating accidents to drownings to unexplained homicides. Beginning with the construction, the construction crew discovered the skeleton of a woman who had disappeared in 1958, still trapped in her car. Uh, she was buried underneath the lake for more than 30 years. People have reported seeing uh, the female's ghost around the lake's edge and lake's waters. Um, there's been reports of a malevolent, a malevolent catfish lurking near the bottom that's big enough to swallow a dog or drown a, a diver. Uh, and the biggest reason why everybody is uh, afraid of the curse, not only because of these 
Um, but even from the uh, the onset, when it was created by the Army Corps of Engineers, uh, when they were seeking to develop it, they had to leave a lot of uh, the structures. They had to purchase a lot of land and, and move people out of their homes and displace people. So there's actually buildings under the water that have had things start to grow on it. So that already gives it that kind of ghostly theme. Um, but there was also a cemetery that they had that they built over it. Uh, so a lot of those disturbed graves, um, people tend to think, are, uh, are a big reason why there's the extra amount of boats, boating accidents, drownings, and, and even murders around Lake Lanier. That's pretty creepy. You said that was in Georgia? Yep, just yeah. north of Atlanta. So it looks like a bunch of people died on this lake as well, too. Is that correct, Jay? Yeah, that is correct. That's pretty shitty, man. I don't know, man. That uh, I have a thing about lakes, man. Especially the big, big lakes where you know you really can't see the end of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's so big that you know you can't really see what's going, yeah. what's happening on the other side. You know, I like the lakes where you can see from one end to the other, and it ends and it, you know it begins and it ends. I can see it. You know? Yeah. No, I, I'm with you. Any anytime your visibility is lessened, it allows your mind start playing extra tricks so whatever is already there uh and there's already stuff going on there that can't really be explained when you add in the that your senses are going to be heightened and you're going to be on lookout because you can't see as much you can't see the end of the lake because the man-made lake it's like fifty thousand acres of what used to be prime farmland and it's now um a cemetery it's a, it's a man-made lake on top of the cemetery yeah, that's just going to cause problems. Yeah, that's creepy, man. I don't know if I want to deal with that. That's uh, that's pretty messed up. I think I have the um, the video now. Hold on one second. Okay. I mean, they don't call it death, like, for no reason. Um, no one's just sitting there making these stories up. These are hard facts that, you know, we're all aware of. You know, at first, I didn't believe it was cursed, but... Over the years, you hear so many of the same stories and same scenarios, it's, it kind of freaks you out whenever you think about it. Tonight, a community remembers best friends who disappeared while on a fishing trip on Lake Lanier. The 11-year-old boy and 15-year-old girl were with their families on Lake Lanier. A 38-year-old man and family friend drove the jet ski that hit them. There's way too many unsolved mysteries at Lake Lanier that, you know, give me any reason to believe that this is not true. That that lake is definitely cursed and, quite frankly, I'm, I'm scared every time I go out on it. They were with a group of friends out on the lake when one of them drove a jet ski over the kids. Yes, this accident happened on the lake near Van Pugh Park in Flowery Branch. The two best friends never returned from a fishing trip on Lake Lanier January 2nd. After an extensive search, authorities discovered the bodies. Eight Everybody days out here is working for the family. The family has asked for privacy to mourn the loss of nine-year-old Jake Prince and his still-missing brother, Griffin. Divers have searched for days, but they're facing many complications. Watch as our camera goes underwater. You're seeing the zero visibility conditions these divers are facing. The divers are encountering deep water. Um, it's anywhere from 60 to 130 feet deep. 
It's very cold at the bottom and it's very dangerous conditions because of standing timber and other obstructions under the water. Visibility is near zero. We weren't able to go into Lake Lanier because and we had to wait until those conditions changed to be able to get the equipment out there that we needed to be able to locate the bodies. So there you have it. Yeah, Lake Lanier in Georgia. That's uh, uh, a very creepy place. A lot of unexplained deaths. You know, we kind of have one of those lakes around here. You know that, Jay? There, there aren't lakes like that around here, no, or there are? No, no, I no. I think there are. No, no, we do. We have one not far from here. Matter of fact, um, I'm sure you have heard that Lake, uh, lake, oh, I- lake Ida. Uh, lake Ida. Yes. Yeah, and there's been a lot of people who've drowned in that lake, supposedly. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it, man. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I wouldn't doubt it. That whole... That whole area, I, I had um, a friend of mine die in a car accident right off Lake Ida, too. Oh, really? That whole area is weird. Yeah, I didn't know about that. But, yeah, that's, yeah, I don't like that area. I I'm, I don't know. I don't like lakes at all. So, yeah, a very, very creepy story and uh, a very good one And at the same time. Uh, my number one for tonight is La Llorona. And La Llorona, I know I'm going to kind of, uh, you know, talk a little Spanish here, but it's basically the weeping woman and it's a, um, urban legend out of Mexico. And, um, uh, it's a pretty freaky story and, um, I'll break it down for you guys, but basically it's a story that, you know, long years ago, a humble little village, uh, in Mexico, there was a fine looking woman named Maria. And some say she was like, probably like the most beautiful woman in the world. And she was so beautiful that she, uh, thought that she was better than everyone else to that, to that, it was that, you know, to that point. Um, and as Maria grew older, her beauty increased and, you know, her pride in her, you know, her beauty grew as well. And when she was a young woman, she, um, would not even look at any of the young men from the village that she lived in. Uh, cause for her, they just weren't good enough for her, you know? And she always said to herself that when she marries, that she would marry like the most handsome man in the world. And now it's how she basically, that was her attitude from the get, get go. One day, a guy rolls rise into Maria's village, and he seemed to be just the man that she was talking about. And he was a dashing young, you know, ranchero, you know, the ranch handler, uh, a son of a wealthy ranch uh, owner as well in the Southern Plains. And um, basically, if he grew, you know, if he had a horse, you knew he was, you know, with wealth, you know, back in those times. It's it's funny that he would come up, he would come by and try to woo Maria. And he was a very handsome dude, and he would play guitar and, you know, singer, you know, songs, you know, from, you know, from the window and stuff like that. And basically, Maria made up her mind that the man, this was the man for her, because, you know, he basically went above and beyond, and he was a good-looking guy, wealthy. Everything basically checked all the boxes, right? So when they met after the fact, when she decided, okay, this is the guy uh, I'm going to be with, you know, she... uh she decided to run off with him, right? He came okay. you know, when they when they ran off together. They became engaged, and they soon they were married. And at first, things were cool. Everything was great. Everything was fine. Uh, they had two children. They seemed to be a perfectly happy family. Uh, but after a few years, um, the ranch handler went back to the wildlife of the prairies. You know, going out and stuff like that. And he would leave town, and he'd be gone for months at a time. And when he returned home, it was only to visit his children, pretty much. Um, he seemed to 
did not care about anything for the beautiful Maria anymore. And he even talked about setting Maria aside and marrying another woman of his own wealth class. So, because he basically married down and not up in those times. Uh, You know, they kind of, you know, back then they really took to that. They kind of kept to that kind of uh, creed, right? So as proud as, right. Maria, as proud as Maria was, she of course became very angry uh, with him, and she also began, you know, began to feel anger, anger towards her children, and because he paid so much attention to them and not her. And so one evening, Maria was strolling with her two children on a shady pathway near the river, and um, the ranch handler came by in a carriage, and an elegant lady sat on the seat beside him, and he stopped and he spoke to his children, but he didn't even look at Maria. He uh, whipped up the horses up on the street, and when she saw that, a terrible rage basically filled her, and it all turned uh, against her children, and although it, it was sad to tell, the story that angered her, uh, you know, what she did, it, it got her to a point where she seized her two children and threw them into the river. They basically disappeared down the river. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, and she realized what she had done after the fact. You know, it all came to, you know... It all came to, you know, full circle for her. It was like, oh, wait, what did I just do? You know what I mean? So when she realized what she had done, she ran down the bank of the river, reaching out her arms for them, but they were pretty much gone. So the next morning, the uh, a traveler, you know, brought word to the villagers that a beautiful woman lay dead on the bank of the river. And uh, this is where they found Maria. And uh, they laid her to rest where she had fallen. But um, the first night Maria was in the grave, the villagers heard a sound of a crying uh, woman down by the river. And it was not the wind. Um, it was La Llorona, basically the weeping woman crying. Uh, where are my children? Where are my children? You would hear in Spanish, you know, repeating over and over again. And uh, when they saw a woman walking up and down the uh, bank of the river dressed in a long white robe, um, they knew that uh, that it was Maria because that's what they had dressed her in for her burial. And on a uh, dark night, they saw her, you know, walking the river bank, crying for her children. You know, they no longer spoke of Maria because of this. I mean, she basically became, you know, the you know persona non grata you know in 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 that village at that point because nobody it was like you know don't say the name like Candyman or you know Bloody Mary you know don't say right. it and we don't want to hear about it you know or Beetlejuice or be or that guy yeah <laughs> so uh, basically the story of and the legend of La Llorona basically the weeping woman is you know she's just a lost spirit looking for her children that she basically killed. And, you know, this is, yeah. A, yeah, this is a story that's, you know, repeated over and over again. And uh, it, it's, it's a pretty creepy story because, you know, in the Spanish culture, um, they actually kind of use this as a, um, as a mechanism to scare the children, to get them to do what they need to do uh, for parents. So basically they would, you know, use that as leverage and say, hey, listen, if you don't listen to me, La Llorona, she's going to get you. Te va agarrar La Llorona, eh? You know what I mean? And so, um, yeah, listen, you know, the Latin culture is a little bit different. You know, we don't we don't put people in the corner and shit like that. There's no time out. You know, <laughs> you know, we, what we do is we'll scare the children with, uh, you know, urban legends and tell them that, you know, some, you know, ghost lady is going to come get them. So that pretty, you know, does La La Rona. yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and, you know, there's a clip I want to play. Hold on a second. Despierte porque escuché unos pinches gritos. Son las. So I'm gonna I'm gonna interpret here. He's basically this is a guy who's it's a video you can find it on YouTube and um, he's basically sleeping in his house and he basically said that he was awoken by screams in the dark. So hold on. La una de la mañana. 
one o'clock in the morning. Fucking shit, that's what he said. So yeah. So yeah, this guy's just laying in his bed and he hears this in his house. Can you believe that? It's fucking crazy. <laughs> it's the craziest shit. I mean, listen, we don't know what it is. It could be anything, obviously, but you know, it could be a dog, a coyote, it could be whatever, right? You know, that's that's the first thing that came to my mind. But that really does kind of sound like a somebody who is crying from the distance, no? Yeah. Yeah. I I wouldn't want to hear that in my house. No, I wouldn't want to be woken up at 1 o'clock in the morning from that. Yeah, nonetheless, um, that's the legend of La Llorona, and um, a very creepy urban legend from the Latin America, the Mexican you know, heritage, and uh, again, a uh, very powerful story. So what's number two for you, Jay? Well, for me, it's the Alaskan Triangle. So we've obviously heard of the Bermuda Triangle. Uh, and there's a couple actually different places on Earth. Um that both had the same kind of things going on. The thing that makes the Alaskan Triangle so special, though, is unlike a lot of things where it's either like in, like the pyramids in Egypt, it's, it's mostly on land. Uh, the Bermuda Triangle is majorly over water. With the Alaskan Triangle, it actually have a mix of both, uh, encompassing an area ranging from uh, Juneau to the southeast and northern borough region to the western metropolis of Anchorage. Alaska's answer to the Bermuda Triangle is uh, comprised of some of the most barren wilderness in the U.S., claimed more than the lives of 20,000 people over the last half century alone. You said 20,000 people? Beings, like the beast, huh? You said how many people? 20,000. Holy shit. That's a lot of fucking people. Half century alone. That's a lot. There's a lot going on out there. They, they say it could be um, beasts like the Kilut or the Ghoulish Kidnapper Kualapak. Uh, remember, these are all majorly from the, the Inuit people that live there. It could be uh, hikers lost in the extreme, van uh, the extreme wilderness. Um, it could be people vanishing into a dark uh, vortex. Nobody really knows, um, but it's not for lack of trying. In fact, the government launched um, a huge, massive search into the Alaskan Triangle in 1972 after a plane carrying one of the speakers of the house uh, and his his um, assistant and the pilot went missing. The guy's name was uh, was Hale Boggs. His Cessna uh, vanished, like almost into nothingness. So nobody really knows what happened. In fact, when they conducted the searches, it came they came back with more conspiracy theories and more questions than they had answers. There's been sightings of things like the Bigfoot, Bigfoot and Yeti. Um, there's been talk of trickster demons who are luring people into their icy death talk of the vile vortex there's actually they say could be one of the could be a dimension that leads directly to 
the gates of hell. Uh, there's a lot going on there. The Inuit people have really, they've had so many different things. They've actually had uh, SR-71s fly over it, looking for the, the Cessna, looking for people. Absolutely nothing. Well, you know what's interesting about that story, Jay, is because, you know, the Inuit people of that area, of course, are basically Native Americans or Native, you know, to the land there. And, um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, legends, you know, behind the Native Americans and the legends and, and the creatures that they believe in as well. Uh, for instance, like the Yeti and the Sasquatch, you know, that they, they believe that's a, a uh, you know, a deity that, um, you know, that roams the, the, the you know, the forest in, in those areas um, and you know, protects those people. So, you know, it's very interesting that, you know, you brought that up. I actually have a video regarding that as well. Hold on. I'm going to play that right now. Hold on. It's October 1972. Congressman Hale Boggs and Nick Begich, along with Bush pilot Don Johns, take off in a small plane from Anchorage, Alaska, headed to Juneau. They never arrive. And despite the biggest manhunt in state history, no trace of the aircraft or its passengers is ever found. So were these men simply victims of Mother Nature? Or were there more sinister forces at play? Some believe that the disappearance was due to more than just bad weather and that the ill-fated travelers were victims of the so-called Alaska Triangle. Whether it's on a plane, hiking, on a ship, people disappear and they're never found. There's not a trace. Just like its namesake, the Bermuda Triangle, the region known as the Alaska Triangle is reportedly plagued by strange atmospheric conditions. This is an area where there's electromagnetic anomalies, where aviation navigation equipment can be disrupted, along with weather, terrain. You know, all these things combined uh, can lead to a lot of disorientation. But there is yet another, still more sinister explanation, that the congressman's disappearance was the result of political foul play. In April of 1971, Boggs had delivered a blistering attack on the controversial surveillance tactics used by one of the most powerful men in America, FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover. Boggs compared him to the Soviet Union in terms of the way he ran his agency, and they just flat did not like each other. And while there is no trustworthy evidence to support such a theory, one unusual piece of information has come to light that suggests that Hoover may, in fact, have played a role in Boggs' death. In 1991, newly released FBI records indicated that shortly after the disappearance, a downed plane and two survivors were indeed spotted in the area where Boggs' aircraft was thought to have crashed. And while it was likely just a false report, some believe it is proof of a top-down cover-up that ensured the men were never rescued. Some have suggested that J. Edgar Hoover was responsible, in part, for the non-recovery of the plane. But if Hoover was behind some kind of cover-up, his death in 1972 ensured that he took the secret to his grave. While the men were never found, the incident did bring about an important change in the way air travel is conducted in the U.S. The Congress passed a law requiring locator beacons on planes. This is a way to find people when they go down. It saved hundreds of lives since the 1970s. The case of Hale Boggs, Nick Begich, and Don Johns is unsolved to this day. 
and until the remains of the men or their plane are found. It seems that the Chugach National Forest in southern Alaska will hold on to this enduring enigma indefinitely. So yeah, there you go, the Alaskan Triangle. That's a, you know, that's one I've never heard of before, Jay. That's that's new to me. Yeah, I thought it was actually. There's another. There's also another. Um, aside from the Yetis and the Bigfoots or the possible cover-up by Jagger Hoover, uh, the Inuit people believe that there's a notorious entity out there called the Kushtaka, uh, which is a shape-shifting demon said to look like a cross between a man and an otter that lures explorers to their do- to their demons and death. Mm. There's a lot of shapeshifters in the um, the Native American legends as well. So that's not thing that you know that's something that's not new, you know new to uh, that those legends of, of those people. So very you know very creepy, man. Uh, you know never had a reason to go to Alaska and even less now. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm gonna say I was already gonna say as far away from that place because I'm pretty sure in Alaska it's still legal to kill a man with a, like a coffee machine. <laughs> yeah, I think it so, might. Yeah, I'm out. Yeah, Plus, yeah. I don't like the cold, so <laughs> I'm out there, too. There you I go. I mean, there's no reason to go to Alaska. Now I have even less reason. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, all right, good one, Jay. I like that. That's uh, that's that's pretty good. I like that. I've never heard that one before, and um, I'm glad to add that one to the list. So my second one uh, for tonight is Mel's Hole. Um, I'm not sure if you ever heard this, um, and it's not something that you'll find behind a beaded doorway, I promise you. Um, anyways, uh, the legend of Mel's Hole is actually a legend out of uh, Washington State. And um, basically 15 years ago, a strange man named Mel Waters uh, called into the Art Bell radio program claiming that he had discovered a mysterious and infinite hole in his property near, near Ellensburg, Washington, quickly dubbed Mel's Hold a strange legend of the never-ending pit and its paranormal characteristics spiraled further and further. When skeptics looked more closely, they discovered that no man named Mel Waters ever lived near Ellensburg. To this day, the hole's existence and the man's true identity remain unverified. Uh, When Waters first called into the program, he claimed that he had found a hole uh, that, by his calculations, was greater than eight. 80,000 feet, uh, according to his story that he had tied a fishing line together and continued lowering it into depth greater than 15 miles without hitting the earth. Waters then claimed that the hole had an ability to restore life to dead animals, uh, relating a story of a man's dead dog that was thrown into the pit and then found walking around live alive soon after. Uh, as the story became more and more elaborate, Mel's Hole captivated listeners, many of whom were eager to verify the hole's existence. Uh, but Mel refused to tell people where the hole was, and just it was just near his property at the Manistash River near Ellensburg. Uh, he was featured on the show numerous times until 2002, when a local paper reported that no man named Mel Waters existed in the area. Uh, finding just to put the story to rest until it was resurrected by an intertribal medicine man named Red Elk. Red Elk appeared out of nowhere and in 2008 claiming he was well acquainted with the hole and it had many bizarre properties. Red Elk didn't start slow and built up, but instead immediately claimed that the hole set fire to ice, cooked a sheep live, and implanted a seal fetus inside a cooked sheep. Even for those uh, suspending every ounce of their disbelief, the story had become too bizarre and too crazy to entertain. Uh, Today, the weird tale of Mel's Hole is roundly considered 
the work of a mentally unstable attention-seeking person, or even a ploy for better radio ratings. So, no evidence of any such sinkhole has ever been found, although some adventurers still wandered near the Manitash River, hoping to find a supernatural infinite pit that will bring them 15 minutes of fame, a la Mysterious Mill Waters. So, yeah, you had this uh, you know, hole, supposedly, in Washington State that did a whole bunch of crazy shit for people. Like, you know, it brought animals back to life. Uh, all kinds of crazy stuff. And I have a video here to play as well to talk about that. Hold on one second. The Pacific Northwest is full of mysteries, from Bigfoot to ghost stories and, of course, the disappearance of D.B. Cooper. Another mystery buried deep in the hills of eastern Washington keeps resurfacing. A bottomless pit said to be a pathway to the paranormal. Como Forest Denise Whitaker heads east in search of the hole. Allensburg and its surrounding valleys in Manashtash Ridge are beautiful in any season. But some believe what lies beneath is a deep, dark hole with supernatural powers. It's a deep, dark hole, Jay. That's what she said. One of the only people alive ever known to have seen this mysterious hole took me as far as he could or would. Oh, honey, don't go up that damn driveway. I want to see if there's tracks up here. I'm just curious. You're out of your tree going up there. Red Elk, a Native American shaman or medicine man, tells me his dad first showed him the hole in 1961. He said, this is an endless hole. He says he's been back many times and that strange things happen every time he goes near it. And people get it confused with what I call the devil's hole. Many locals claim to know about the hole, but it didn't really become a phenomenon until 1997 when Mel Waters went on the Coast to Coast radio show with Art Bell. I, as usual, I brought the dogs with me. Uh, they wouldn't go anywhere near the damn thing. Waters said the hole had a three-foot stone wall around it. It seemed bottomless to him, so he used an old shark fisherman's trick, sending thousands of feet of fishing line down. What I did is I sent down a roll of lifesavers. Lifesavers? Yeah, so when it hits the water, the, the lifesavers will dissolve. But the lifesavers came back up whole, no water. So how deep was this hole? Waters said he believed it descended miles into the earth, and he says he's heard strange stories about its powers. The one guy claims that he threw his uh, departed canine down into the hole. He swear the dog actually came back to him. When Mel went public, that's when the trouble began. But why? Now I'm going public on this. Red Elk claims the government has a secret base there. It's an underground base, a very small underground base. That's how Red Elk explains white boxes covering the area on some satellite images. Is the government covering something up? Red Elk says he's also witnessed alien activity at the hole. A huge spacecraft, one will appear and, and hover over the hole. That, he says, happens during summer solstice. They unload and then they load. And then they take off. God help the things that they load. Alien spacecraft? Dogs that come back to life? I went to the Northwest Museum of Legends and Lore seeking some answers. Well, I believe there is a hole. But Philip Lipson's never seen the hole, even though he's led expeditions to find it. Well, I think it's an actually a true, a true event, just something that's never really been totally uncovered. And to this day, 
no one's been able to find it since that famous radio conversation. It was mildly sensational, and then it just mushroomed, completely out of control. Allensburg Public Library historian Milton Waggy says the phone rang off the hook with all kinds of stories about the hole, some explainable, some not. He's still trying to solve the mystery of what happened to the library's file on Mel's hole. Well, it just disappeared, which lends itself to the mysteriousness of Mel's hole. You know, did Mel take it? Did it just sort of you know, rise out of the locked file cabinet? You never know. You know, there might be a hole out there. Question is, can any of us find it? Denise Whitaker, Como 4 News. So there you go, Mel's Hole. Have you heard that one, Jay? All right. I had heard of Mel's Hole. I hadn't heard. Um, I didn't know that it was named that because the guy going on the radio show, I had heard that it was kind of like the pet cemetery thing. You threw your animal in and it would come back to you alive. Right. Um so I heard some stuff about it, but not quite as much as, as was just played in that clip. No, that's good. That's good. No, yeah, it's it's a pretty interesting scenario because you know you get this guy who comes on this radio show, which is a uh, you know coast to coast AM, which is a a very legendary show. Art Bell, you know, he's been talking about the paranormal, everything, you know, anything that pretty much what we talk about here. He's been doing it for twenty, thirty years already, and um, you know that show is very popular. Who knows? Maybe it was just you know something that was brought up to you know, sensationalize something. Then this other guy comes out, this red elk, you know, Indian dude comes out and says it is actually true. So who knows, man? I mean, again, a very or 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 what if what if the guy that called into the radio show is actually red elk? It could be, but they had very different. I, that's I thought that, but they have very different voices as well. Red elk has a very you know, grimy voice, gritty voice. Um, sounds like he's been smoking all his life. And in the video, he's smoking, of course. So, yeah. And the guy who was on the radio show had a different voice. It more sounded like more Caucasian, um, maybe, you know, middle-aged kind of guy. So I thought that... Oh, I'm sorry, man. I mean, what do you want me to do? <laughs> but, you know, it, it didn't sound like uh, the same dude. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Jay, who do you have for number two, man? That's uh, actually number three, my oh, man. Oh, number three. I can't even think today, but go ahead. My last one is by far the uh, the most creepy and I find most interesting. It's uh, in Colorado. There's a place called Riverdale Road. Uh, it's 11 horrifying miles near Thornton, Colorado, and it's crammed with enough horrifying legends to bring even the bravest paranormal investigator to his knees, from ghostly runner attacking parked cars on, quote, Joggers Hill, to various demons and even a phantom Camaro that revs up and down winding roads. Uh, they say that the gates of hell seem to be the, the epicenter. Little iron gates that are now gone, uh, but what remains is the partial shell of an old mansion where a madman had burned his wife and children alive. Left behind the barren and charred plots of land where white-clad woman wanders, uh, wanders the area looking for her children. She, joined, she is joined by ghosts of slaves supposedly hung from what is a now charred tree on the land. If you go and visit, you can go ahead and run away. If you see something creepy, like an uh, ethereal pack of dogs, you're probably just going to bump into something worse, possibly even a portal going straight to hell. That is probably what explains so many demons being conjured and weird. There's even a weird underground chicken coop with uh, black magic markings and writings on it. Known exactly when things got 
Harry, uh, although it's, go, it's given that the ghosts of, spirits of, of the slaves that have been hung there uh, go all the way back to the 1850s. So it's this, this long patch of road that all these kinds of things are being reported with fair normalcy. Uh, there's even some reports of people going there and visiting and looking. Some people are able to find the house where, the, where this guy burned his wife and children to death. Can't find the home. Ooh. So the home appearing only to those it wants to appear to. So maybe like an you know, alternate dimension, huh? Yeah, yeah. And, and there's a ghost Camaro that goes driving up and down, revving its engine up and down the road. There's uh, ethereal dogs. And it's been reported that people who have actually gone and visited they couldn't wait to get out of there or get away from that road, hold them home. Yeah, no, no, no. I will uh, pass on that, my friend. Thank you so much. Uh, but yeah, Riverdale Road, man, that's uh, that's pretty creepy, man. And where's this again? What where is it located? It's uh, just outside Thornton, Colorado. Thornton, Colorado. Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, I've never heard of that one either. Uh, that's uh, that's pretty interesting, and um, you know, uh, I've always wanted to go to Colorado, but um, I don't think I want to go to that part. So. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll... Yeah, I don't want to go see any any place that literally has iron gates uh, that supposedly open to hell. Um, I'm good. Yeah. Thank you. No, I don't want to do that either, man. I, I got you. I got you. Well, that's a that's a great one, man, and a, a good one to finish off for your side there, Jay. I am going to finish it off on my end here uh, with the Slender Man. I'm, I'm sure you've heard of that one, correct? Heard of the Slender Man. Oh, yeah. So, you know, the truth about the Slender Man, it was actually um, a story that was written by a guy on Creepypasta. Creepypasta is like a website where people send in short stories, horror short stories, and it just fucking, it caught fire and it took off. I mean, it, it, it was a, an urban legend story that started there, and, it, and, you know, it got to the point where a girl actually tried to kill another girl in the woods, um, you know, basically offering her up as a as a sacrificial person for the Slender Man. So uh, it's a basically, it's a faceless semi-human monster uh, who stands about eight foot tall and has tentacles for arms and stalks and eats small children. And it communicates uh, telepathically with its human servants called proxies. And um, as I was stating, you know, on the 31st of May of 2014, uh, three 12-year-old girls embarked on a bird-watching expedition in a wooded area near their homes in uh, Waukesha, Wisconsin. Uh, That ended on one of them being stabbed 19 times and left for dead. Uh, Seriously injured, the victim managed to crawl to a nearby road where she was found and taken to a hospital. She told the police her friends had attacked her. Uh, The two girls were arrested and charged with attempted first-degree intentional homicide. Uh, The attack weapon was found among their belongings, and they admitted to planning and executing the crime. Under interrogation, they had claimed they did it to appease a supernatural being called the Slender Man, who was described in the Newsweek article as an evil character who lives only on the Internet, but whom the accuser attacker said they had uh, fervently believed in. Uh, according to the criminal complaint obtained by Newsweek, Morgan Geyser and Anissa Wire, both 12, discovered Slender Man on Creepypasta WikiLeak. Uh, um, excuse me, Creepypasta Wiki, uh, a website dedicated to internet horror stories and its tagline, proudly hosting your worst nightmare since 2010. Uh, they believed that he was real, and in uh, early 2014, Geyser and Weir uh, decided to become what they called proxies of the Slender Man. 
uh, thereby proving their dedication to him by his existence to skeptics. To do so, they'd have to kill someone. So uh, although months uh, in the planning, their mission uh, did not succeed. The victim, Peyton Lautner, uh, recovered, uh, though she still lives in fear for her life, her mother says. Uh, the accuser were tried as adults and pleaded guilty to the attack, but argued in court, excuse me, that they weren't responsible for their actions due to the mental illness that they had, supposedly. Uh, in December 2017, Weir had uh, been sentenced to 25 years in a psychiatric institution, and Geyser had yet to be faced sentencing. So the incident was a cast as a cautionary tale for parents by Waukesha Police and Chief Russell Jack, who cited it as a consequence of allowing children unsupervised access to the Internet. You know, the Slenderman mythos, it gained stories and images and commentary, you know, related to the character. It basically grew from that point and, you know, it became sort of like the online internet boogeyman. And uh, you would start seeing, you know, photos popping up online, people photoshopping photos of this guy, you know, this eight foot tall man that had no face, you know, in the background. And, you know, it, it was like a meme of sorts, but without any kind of words, you would just see him in the background somewhere. So, again, you know, it was something that uh, was, uh, you know, conjured up by a man by the name of Victor Surge. And, uh, that was his pseudonym and he was later, you know, identified as Eric, uh, Knudsen. And he was the one who, you know, manipulated all these photos and, you know, coming up with the story. Uh, you would see photos of this guy in the playground in the background. So it, it was a pretty, you know, creepy thing that happened, but nonetheless, all, you know, false and basically an urban legend that kind of turned into truth because of what, you know, these two girls did. Well, I guess, uh, that just goes to show you that teenage girls are as unpredictable as it gets. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I'm going to play a quick clip real quick, and I, I'm, I'm 100% positive it'll work. Hold on one second. Screen Gems is reportedly developing a film based on the folklore, and there are rumors that season six of American Horror Story will focus heavily on the creepy myth. So what's the story behind the tale? Slenderman started as an internet meme in 2009 and was created by Eric Knudsen, a forum user on the site Something Awful. The creature is depicted as a thin, extremely tall, well-dressed man with no facial features, known for stalking and abducting children, usually in the woods. The legend of Slenderman grew and morphed online as people started concocting their own nightmarish tales, tales of children being lured into the woods and disappearing forever. Many times, he tortures his victims with mind games, causing electronics to creepily stop working or spooking them in their bedrooms with strange noises in the middle of the night. Many of the more recent stories found online are not gory or violent and choose to leave the fates of the victims open-ended. In fact, some of the scariest Slenderman stories are true. Obsession with the internet boogeyman has spilled over into real-life violent crime. Most involve young girls committing violent acts all in the name of Slenderman. The most high-profile real-life crime happened in 2014 when two 12-year-old girls in Wisconsin brought a classmate into the woods, held her down, and stabbed her 19 times. Morgan Geyser and Anissa Wire claimed they needed to commit a murder to prove themselves worthy of Slenderman. Their victim survived the brutal attack, saved by a cyclist who called 911. The two girls are awaiting trial. They will be tried as adults for the attempted murder and face up to 55 years in prison. Other stories from around the U.S. suggest more young girls committing crimes and citing Slenderman as a huge influence. 
A 13-year-old attacked her mother with a knife in Ohio, and it was later discovered she had been writing Slenderman fiction. A 14-year-old in Florida set her entire house on fire with her family inside, and police reported there was a strong connection to Slenderman. Experts say these cases don't necessarily point to a larger issue. Most fans understand Slenderman is simply a fictional character. Tell us, do you... So there you go, Slenderman. What do you think, Jay? Uh, I think it's quite telling of our times that something that started out as a meme can now be uh, held up as something that people need to uh, dedicate human sacrifice to. It's so crazy, so crazy. Uh, you know, and uh, like you said, it is a sign of the times. You know, where people just take things way too far. So uh, again, that's a uh, that's a wrap on the uh, urban legends, and we're going to tie that with the bow for tonight. And um, thank you for uh, you know contributing tonight, Jay, and bringing up the stories, great stories, and some of the stuff I've never heard before. So I always love hearing things I've never heard before. So that's great stuff. Tonight uh, we'll finish things off with. What to watch? Jay, anything lately that uh, you've seen that you want to suggest to uh, the listeners this week? Uh, actually, the uh, Kingsman, uh, The Golden Circle. It's yeah. the second, it's the second uh, movie from The Kingsman. The first movie was great. It was a great movie. Uh, the second one, honestly, for my money, is that much better. Uh, you have The Kingsman, which is this is their uh, secret service. It's Britain's secret service. They do everything, you know, under the under the guise of a, of a tailor shop. And you have the main character, Eggsy, who is a poor, humble boy who came from nothing, but has all the... It's, it's that diamond in the rough thing, you know? He, he didn't come up from anything, but he has a good, whole, a good heart, good soul. Ends up saving the world in the first one from Samuel L. Jackson. Well, in this, in this one, he is trying to fight the Golden Circle, which is a drug ring, uh, which has found a way to infect everybody that smokes weed with a toxin that will kill you in three particular stages. Not only does it have uh, great acting in it, not only does it have a great story, a lot of unbelievable fight scenes, um, but there's actually a scene in there where Elton John gets into a fight and that alone makes the movie worth watching, but every minute of that movie is phenomenal. Keeps you on the edge of your seat. It's a lot of fun. It's a great action movie. Uh, the Kingsman Golden Circle. So Rocket Man kicks somebody's ass in the movie? He is he is held prisoner by the main uh, the main drug dealing baddie. He performs for just the two of them. For the main the main drug dealer and her, her henchman. And he's Turns out he gets infected because he had been partying. They allow him to, you know, they give him the antidote. And as the Kingsmen are entering the compound to rescue it, to rescue Elton as well as get the antidote out to everybody that, that smoke. Because you know how many people smoke weed that would be like everybody. Everybody was being affected by this. Everybody and, would um, be dead. It became a big, you know, you, they had... They showed where they had like football stadiums filled with people who were paralyzed with toxin in cages, just waiting to die. And sure enough, Elton John ends up kicking the shit out of the two bodyguards that were watching him. And it, but it, and it's it's fucking hilarious to see him. And he's in his 1970s garb. It's not even like <laughs> Sir Elton John now. It's Sir Elton John with his body type now. Yeah. 
but in the stilettos with the big wings and the big glasses. Oh, yeah. Just ridiculous running jump kick uh, in the stiletto. It's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a great suggestion. I'm going to check that out. I saw the first one, never saw the second one. So uh, definitely going to check that out. So Kingsman, uh, the sequel, you said it was the Golden Circle, you said? The Golden Circle also has Channing Tatum in it mm. for about three seconds. I hope they kill He's him. in there just long enough to whoop some ass, and uh-huh. then he becomes affected too. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. My wife was like, wait, wait, wait. Chang Tatum as a cowboy, like whooping ass? Yeah, yeah. we're going to go see that movie, and he was in it for a little, like, 10 seconds. I was like, ha-ha. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Well, good. Good good, uh, good suggestion. Um, this week, I'm going to suggest a uh, TV show on uh, Netflix. It's called Travelers. It's kind of a sci-fi um, a show, and it's about um, these uh, group of uh, people who um, travel through time to try to complete this mission. Uh, but they basically jump from, like, human to human using them as, you know, shells. Um, but what happens is when they take over their body, you know, their personality goes into their body and the person that was in that body completely ceases to exist, but it's a very, very good, uh, TV show. And I suggest, uh, anybody watch that. So check that out on travelers on Netflix. So that's my suggestion for the week. Uh, Jay Dick of the week for you, man. I have two of them. Actually, the first one almost goes without saying it's, it's Larry, uh, Nasser, who was the, the doctor for the USA gymnastics team, at Michigan state university who utilized his position to uh, to sexual molest uh, like 160 women and young girls and and uh, it's just a grotesque pedophile. He gets he gets nominated for the obvious the the just gratuitous overuse of power and position as a doctor to uh, to grope and molest young girls. Uh, he needs to to go and and be in prison forever and ever and ever. Uh, the other dick of the week was actually the judge for this this case, um, and the reason why I believe that uh, that this judge, uh, her name is Rosemary Aguilina. She is the judge, and she handed down the sentencing, and that's her job. And I, and I and again, this guy is a monster and needs to be gone forever and ever and ever. That being said. Uh, the judge should be a little bit more judge-like. Uh, and she said that, uh, you know, she didn't, she kind of gave him like this, uh, this speech uh-huh. uh, when she sent him. And just the way it came off, it came off as she's just, you know, almost as if she, like, she's like the voice of God. Just the way she kind of came off about it uh, really rubbed me the wrong way. She sent the guy to death. He's going to be in jail for like 170 lifetimes, what what I think equated to. The guy's going to die in prison. It's going to be an awful, awful existence for him, which he full heartily deserves. Uh, but that doesn't mean that the judge necessarily needs to sit there and point a finger and say, you know, I you're you're such a horrible person. I don't think you realize the kind of danger that you put yourself in. Now you're going to have to go to jail and you're going to be there for the rest of your life. And I basically signed your death warrant. Uh, that's some kind of cowboy shit that didn't really need to go down. She could have just been, this is your sentence. You're going to jail. And that's it. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's uh, I, yeah, I, I hear you on that. And, uh, I could see why you would, um, you know, put, uh, that person on there as well. Um, and, uh, you know, yeah, that guy is a piece of shit. And the only thing I disagree with you on in this whole thing, Jay, um, regarding your dick of the week is that 
I don't even think he should be deserve you know deserves to live in jail. I think they should just fucking put a bullet in his head and call it a day. Because at the end of the day, it's going to be me and you who are going to be paying for this guy to be in jail, uh, sitting there watching TV on the internet and doing whatever the fuck. But you know whatever it is, you know it is. But um, you know maybe there will be some kind of um, justice served behind bars, like maybe Jeffrey Dahmer happened. You know maybe we'll see what happens. My uh, I would almost I would almost guarantee there's going to be something like that because pedophiles definitely get it get about in jail i agree with you i don't really want to pay uh you know to support this dude as he sits sits in jail but i don't think his existence is going to be very pleasant while he's in jail as long as they allow him to live absolutely absolutely well that's a great choice for dick of the week uh for this week jay uh, my dick of the week is going to be the woman who accused aziz anzari for sexual misconduct um, i'm not sure if you ever uh you listened to this uh story that happened not too long ago jay but um, Aziz Ansari is a, a pretty famous comedian, um, Indian dude, uh, you know, very recognizable face. Uh, but he had a lady who came out not yeah. too long ago and basically they had a bad date, you know, a bad date. Um, basically they blew each other. Uh, <laughs> I hate to you know say it like that, but that's exactly what it happened. And, you know, it wasn't, well, that's what happened. it's what happened. And, you know, it just wasn't a good date and she was unsatisfied and she said she wanted to stop. He said, great, let me show you home, and that was it. And, you know, listen, I am a big, big advocate of the, you know, the Me Too movement and all this stuff, and anything that's ever happened to a woman sexually misconduct-wise, I think that person should be, you know, dealt with in a, in a, in a, in a way uh, that, you know, you know, justice needs to be served in that, in that instance. But, unfortunately, you have these people who come out um, out of the woodwork to try to find their 15 minutes of fame and, um, you know, try to hitched her wagon to the me too movement and unfortunately this whole scenario was just a bad date um this guy never did anything wrong from all accounts of whatever i've read on online um so you know again you know somebody accuses somebody from something and and when it comes to something like this you really don't have a way to repair after the accusation has already been made um because that stink is on you that stigma is on you you know what i'm saying and, um, well, yeah, yeah it, it sucks, you know what I mean? And so unfortunately, you know, and I hope it doesn't happen to him that, you know, his, his career doesn't get affected by it. But again, you know, it's a guy who is a, you know, a quirky looking dude. First off, if you look at the dude, he looks, you know, nerdy as fuck. You know what I mean? He, you can tell that dude's quirky as hell. So you know, you're not going to get some smooth talking individual when, <laughs> when you're dealing with Aziz and Zari. So, you know, it is what it is. So, you know, but again, uh, unfortunately there's, you know, people that try to hitch their wagon to the Me Too movement that shouldn't do it because what you're doing is you're delegitimizing the actual victims, the real women who actually have really been, um, you know, uh, molested, touched, uh, raped, whatever the case may be. It, it des- you know, it basically uh, delegitimizes their claims. So I'm going to nominate that woman for Dick of the Week. Uh, anything else, Jay, for tonight? No, man. No, I think uh, I think we covered all those bases pretty well. I think we had some very interesting urban legends going over. Uh, I definitely learned some new stuff over this this process. I think all three of the dicks of the week they need to go just basically fuck themselves and check out those things we said to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, John, kick your ass. Absolutely. Again, uh, I'm Will Martinez for Jay Galosi. You can catch all our stuff on. Uh, every basically platform that's available out there, iTunes, Google Play, uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, we're all available. Just look up Dark Fringe Radio and you can catch all, all our episodes there. Don't forget to subscribe and uh, give a five-star rating and on any of those platforms that's uh, you know 
that's uh, pertinent to you, whether you have an Android phone or uh, uh, iPhone. So uh, please make sure to do that, and uh, we uh, hope to bring you a great episode for next week. Anything else for the night, Jay? That's actually, I do uh, tomorrow. I, this is actually coming out a few weeks later, but as we sit right now, it's January 31st. Tomorrow is my stepson's birthday, so I just want to say happy birthday, Hunter, because I know he's going to be listening to this uh, once it's out. Awesome, Hunter. Hey, listen, happy birthday to you, buddy. So I hope you have a happy, happy birthday and you get everything you want. All right, buddy. Uh, Jay, uh, again, thanks for joining in on the episode, and we'll see you guys next week.